like you say, you can't just we can't just pump out an episode a week until we just start dying. You know? <laughs> There's just one of us left doing it by themselves. Even then, I want us to be like the Temptations, and like <laughs> in four years' time, it's like three of our kids and one original. <laughs> it's Captain Dave and and the firstborn child of each one of us. <laughs> Uh, let's be honest now, I smoke. I'm not going to be the survivor, am I? <laughs> I, I I'd be surprised if I'm still around in a couple of years' time. <laughs> I was going to say, you best, best get working on that child, guys. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Joe. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. And this week we are putting the classic musical adaptation West Side Story on trial. Is it jet setting or is it swimming with sharks? Not nothing. That's, that's, that's good. That's good. Very good. That actually, I know which the bad one is. <laughs> Essentially, we're going to find out if this film will be placed on the esteemed hit list or our steaming shit list. Now, before we go on to the trial, our last film on trial was Home Sweet Home Alone. I judged that trial and deemed that it should be placed on the shit list. I've incorrectly written down hit list on my notes here, but it was definitely on the shit list. I've since gone away and have watched the film, so did I make the right call or not? Well, firstly, before I talk about my verdict, I think that we should probably give out an apology to all those who we may have offended, insulted, and or berated during that episode, including the director, writers, and cast of Home Sweet Home Alone, especially RG Yates, also to the John Hughes estate, Mickey Mouse, <laughs> Disney CEO Bob Iger and to all Americans who I believe Ozzy insulted at some point the only thing I have to say to that is ex-Disney CEO Bob Iger and good thing too okay another apology will come next week uh, so yeah I, I thought it was nowhere near as bad as Joel and Dave and almost everybody on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb yeah. had suggested but it wasn't great. I think the three main issues of the film, in my opinion, are that the script was a bit weak and full of too many sort of like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Hey, look, it's a sequel to Home Alone, nods to the predecessor. And then character-wise, it was very weak. Deciding to make the villains as likable, relatable and funny characters meant that we were rooting for them, or at least I was. And I didn't want to see them get hurt at all. And then the final and the biggest issue for me was Archie Yates' performance, which unfortunately just wasn't very good, which is really surprising because he was really good in Jojo Rabbit. But I think that this is probably due to him having to perform with an English accent. And then also because the script and his dialogue specifically were rubbish. And then also his character motivations were unclear and the villains were more likable, funnier and had more screen time than him. So all that combined meant that you weren't really rooting for him at all. So, yeah. It, Just it, describing it, an utter shit film. Yeah, yeah, it, it was bad. It was bad. But I still enjoyed it. But I know that I am not really a barometer for whether the film is good or bad. But I think it's definitely on the right list. I, I was genuinely surprised by people's reactions to it, though. I mean, I, I watched it with my wife, who was at first, she was like, oh, I don't know what all the fuss is about. This is all right. 
But then towards the end of the film was willing Pam and Jeff to catch Max and inflict some serious harm on him. <laughs> so, I, I, yeah, I'd just like to clarify that my wife wasn't concerned with violence towards children, just that one <laughs> fictional character. But I, I just I don't understand why everybody hates it so much. That's that that was my main confusion last week. I just didn't expect. I didn't mind it going on the shit list because yeah, okay. I was just surprised at just the just the, the power of the hate that was coming from. Uh, I mean, the fact that Dave saw it as an insult to John Hughes personally. That, that's that's <laughs> what I did. That's what I, I found. <laughs> I just didn't see that myself. I didn't but, mind it. I didn't think it was great, but I didn't mind it at all. Oh, it's just a relatively harmless Christmas film. I mean, not for the people involved, but <laughs> yeah, it could be quite damaging to the people involved. Yeah, apparently, they want to leave it off their CVs, don't they, Joe? <laughs> they should do. Yeah. I think it's quite telling as well that the writers, Street Sidell and Mikey Day, didn't promote the film at all. <laughs> they didn't even discuss it on their social media at all. And that the original director of Home Alone, Chris Columbus, said that. Nobody got in touch with him about it. He called it a waste of time as far as he's concerned. He said, what's the point? I'm a firm believer that you don't remake films that have had the longevity of Home Alone. You're not going to create lightning in a bottle again. It's just not going to happen, so why do we? So it sounded like nobody wanted this to be made, and then it got made anyway. And then you'd think if you've got that many people rooting against you, or that many people saying this isn't going to succeed you try and make it as on point as possible, wouldn't you? You try and make this the right and absolutely superb, but it just, it all feels a little <laughs> subpar. Just feels like a, a bigger budget, like version of Home Alone 5, if anybody's seen that. Nobody oh, has. I thought this was Home Alone 5. No one should have. That's a Christmas, by the way. All the Home Alones. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, right in. I, I, I actually, maybe the fourth one isn't. I can't remember. And it's been a while since I've seen that. Bone Alone is the spiritual Home Alone Five. <laughs> and that is uh, Christmas. Now, onto the trial. All of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So, acting in defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list are a pair who would fit right in with the twirling, angry, hostile, colorful clothes wearing jets. It's Ozzy and me. And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list are a pair who would fit right in with the finger-clicking, tight black pants-wearing, open-shirted sharks. It's Alex and Dave. Now, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may not be their real opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear their genuine thoughts. Which means the role of the judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, is a man who, just like Lieutenant Shrank, will be trying to keep the peace amongst two warring groups, whilst being an antagonistic, smarmy, sarcastic prick about it all. It's Joel! <laughs> no. <laughs> Cheers, Gav. Well, you're not making this a really easy. Uh, easy, easy. Yeah, <laughs> so it was um, already an uphill uh, fight to begin with. And was now, he? Well, was he? Was he? Joel is the judge. Joel is the judge, and was Joel's he? notoriously against musicals. Stop talking, man! You're making it harder for us. Only musicals <laughs> that Gav has appeared in, Ozzy. That's the key. <laughs> <laughs> now before we get started i think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about so let us spin the wheel of impressions so here we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film this week it's landed on ozzy so how would we like ozzy to read out the synopsis 
I feel like you've had quite a lot of these recently, has he? No, yeah, but and it doesn't really matter because it all matters. Wasted Fredo. (laughs) Wasted Fredo. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I say, how would we like Ozzy to read the synopsis? I think we're going to do it in a a Bronx. There's there's two different ways of doing it, and let's go for the only acceptable way of doing it. Yes, yes. Let's do Bronx. A bit like your Danny DeVito, which I really, really enjoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Cowboy DeVito. An adaptation of the 1957 musical, West Side Story explores forbidden love and the rivalry between the Jets and the Sharks, two teenage street gangs of different ethnic backgrounds. Also not the right uh, uh, summary, sorry, this is... Um, <laughs> That'll do, man. It sums it up quite well. Thank you very much, Ozzy. So, yeah, without further hesitation, Joel, would you like to please kick off proceedings? Yes, certainly. So, all I've gathered is that this is a musical and it involves street gangs, you know, the Crips and the Bloods, I think Ozzy said. So, wrong coast. Wrong coast. <laughs> <laughs> I think most people know the plot, but do you want to just go into like a quick bounce over and then kind of go into uh, what makes this film so great or musical, shall we say? So, yeah, yeah. It's a film adaptation of the musical based upon the classic romantic tragedy, Romeo and Juliet, which I think everybody should know by now. But here the story is transported to 1950s New York and the two feuding families are now warring street gangs. Uh, the, the Jets, a group of white American second and third generation immigrants who believe their turf is being taken over and who are led by Riff. And the Sharks, a group of Puerto Rican first generation immigrants who are trying to carve a better life for themselves in America, who are led by Bernardo. Their hatred has escalated so much that they can no longer coexist. And during a dance, Riff's best friend and former Jet, Tony, meets Bernardo's younger sister, Maria, and they fall immediately and completely in love with one another. Maria sends Tony to stop a fight between the two gangs, which is designed to decide who gains control of the streets. The fight gets out of control. Riff is murdered by Bernardo, and in retaliation, Tony kills Bernardo. Despite this, Maria and Tony still plan on running away together, but Bernardo's partner, Anita, lies to Tony and tells him that Bernardo's best friend, Chico, found out about this plan and killed Maria. Tony attempts to confront Chico, but is gunned down and lives long enough just to have one last final embrace with Maria before expiring. So yeah, that, that's the summary of, of the of the musical there. It's a fantastic modern day retelling of a classic story, which also touches upon racism and prejudice and is still as pressing today as it ever has been. It's not only one of the greatest musicals ever written and one of the best film adaptations of a musical, but it's also one of the greatest films of all time, winning an incredible 10 Academy Awards, a fate which has only been beaten by three films. So what are those films? Uh, Titanic, Return of the King, and Ben-Hur, ben, is ben it? Hare. There we go. Yeah, that was so close. You could have failed almost instantly, <laughs> but you passed. <laughs> um, Alex... Like all of those things are true, and yet Gav's missed out the biggest element of this, which is just that it's kind of just fucking ridiculous. Like the whole film is just a bit of a ridiculous watch because you've got these street gangs in New York, right? And they're dancing around and singing all the time and doing pirouettes and stuff like that. And it's just ridiculous. And the film doesn't 
go with the ridiculous things. It tries to be this gritty, realistic look into like street gang's life. And then they're going like, be cool, daddy. Oh, and it's like, it is hilarious. And it's been much mocked and stuff like that for many good reasons. But at the end of the day, you have them having these street fights and they're just basically like pirouetting over each other and doing these, these fabulous dance moves, which, you know, yeah, if you're into musicals, you know, yeah, the, the dance moves would be quite good, but it does not work. You cannot have like a gritty story about gangs in New York with, with dancing. It just doesn't work. And it doesn't in this film, you know, the whole plot is, you know, based on the Shakespeare play, but it's just kind of absurd because you have these, these dancers at the start, which I found quite funny. And the film sort of has like comic moments and stuff, but then it goes ultra gritty halfway through and you have this knife fight where they, you know, they get stabbed and it's like, what? Like, why are you, why are we not having fun here? Why are we going so serious? You know, so tonally it's, it's all over the place. And I'd say the biggest issue I think is, just that there was, I don't think there was any research into what gangs were like, do you know what I mean? I don't think, you know, any of them, you know, you know, Leonard Bernstein who scored it and oh, I can't remember the, the, the um, Robert Wise, sorry, is it the, um, Steve the, director, the, the director, yes. Stephen Sondheim. I don't think any of them understand, have any understanding at all of the sort of issues that I think poor people grew up in, in New York had. So I don't think it's accurate in that sense. And it's not, you know, so it's, it's trying to be gritty, but it's like, theatre people's idea of what poverty is like in the west side which would be fine if it went for the more absurd fun things but then it tries to tell a really gritty down-to-earth story and it and it, it just doesn't work so it's hilarious in bits when you have these people like looking up and they're doing like clicking the fingers and like going hey and then going no and like you know rolling around and stuff like that it is funny but the joke doesn't last for two hours and 20 minutes. It's just, uh, it gets pretty boring and pretty pretty up its own arse and a bit too serious. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Ozzy, so I'll let you kind of come back on that. But also, can you answer, do you think that this is something, you know, of its time that perhaps, as we've talked about in many films, you know, you watch it now, it's not the same. Like, it's a little bit jarring. Alex spoke about kind of contrast between, you know, the singing and dancing and then the kind of street gang side of it. Do you think that just no, is, is too much I, for today? Well, no, I think what's actually happened and you see it in, you know, you see it in musicals today these days. What, but what's happened here is that Alex has decided to focus on something and deliberately <laughs> missed the point. He's trying to steer down the path that it's a little bit farcical and there's, there's dancing going on instead of fighting. But it's completely, a, it's a deliberate choice. And that's because it's very difficult to have shot a, a, a fight scene and keep people attached when they were actually trying to. Clearly, the, the play and the movie was all about trying to pass a message on. And it's about that everyone, there's fighting in the, in the slums, you know, in, in the poor parts of the, of the country when we, there shouldn't be. You know, there, there's, a, there's a real love story to be had here. And if people get along... And and that would have been lost if you'd tried to make it gritty. We all, we've seen films of the sixties where people try to do serious shooting and fight scenes, and they are comical. Whereas this is is deliberate, and actually the dancing, like Alex says, is is really good. The singing is really good. The music, mate, the music is is iconic throughout. So I, I think you know Alex has just tried to steer down the wrong path here by focusing on the fact that fights are dances instead so uh so I, I 
it's a, it's a little bit disingenuous of Alex, I think, to say that, that this is farcical. And, and in terms of, is it of its time? You get beyond that very quickly. Did you enjoy Happy the intermission as well, Ozzy? Did you enjoy, did you, did you well, well, listen actually, to I, all of that all the way through? Well, I, I did because I went and made my tea during the intermission. <laughs> George, <laughs> George, George, can I please say that the prosecution here is trying to put Austin's reputation in dispute here by saying that he hasn't watched the film. <laughs> to be fair, to well earn that reputation. But I have a lot of notes today, so... Um, I think, oh, he turned <laughs> over a new leaf recently. Withdrawn. Though, so I'll withdrawn. give him the benefit of the doubt. But, but you know, I, I, like I say, I think he, uh, Alex is trying to give you a bump steer here that it's um, it's farcical when actually it's it's a deliberate artistic choice. Okay, just just before I come to to, to Dave, Gav, I can see you've got a uh, a little point to make, but also, uh, what would you do if uh, you know you you'd, you'd be on a little night out in Liverpool, you were walking home. <laughs> And you're walking down an alley and somebody just jumped out at you with a knife, but rather than like being aggressive, they were just like clicking the fingers and they're like, yeah. I'd be fucking terrified. That, 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 that type of attacker is unpredictable. I've already, uh, I've already proven myself. I would have done jazz hands, so I would have fitted perfectly well into the West Side Story narrative. Listen, all I'm going to say is Alex's argument there, it doesn't have any legs to stand on. It's a, it's a, it's an art form. It's a musical. This is what... Would you say like... it's like Alex after a few drinks? <laughs> Alex wishes he was that graceful after a few drinks. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, what, the same argument you're going to say that, oh, yeah, I went to go and see the Nutcracker, but that Rat King was just prancing around at the stage. He wasn't very villainous for me. I don't know. No, but does the Nutcracker guy have songs and music? I don't, I don't think the villains in... I was thinking about this in musicals. Yeah. It does. Do villains often have big musical numbers? Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Bill Sykes even has a number, and he's one of the probably the greatest musical villains of all time. Or like the yeah, most but he's not dancing around clicking ones. his fingers, calling everyone daddy-o and saying, like, you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that would have been extremely out of place in it against you. Know? <laughs> and, and the thing is, is that like it is of its time, but... It's also timeless, as in you can watch this and you know exactly when it is. You know, you know it's going to be 1950s New York. And although filming methods, films, stage shows even, they might become more time appropriate. And they might, you know, if you look at the adaptation of West Side Story by Steven Spielberg, obviously this technically, I'd say it was maybe better. But the thing with West Side Story, the original 1961 one, is that it is it sets a time and a place, and that is going to be forever timeless. So yeah, although you can say, oh, you've got people leaping around saying "daddy" and whatever, I mean, at the time that was apt. No, no it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, so, so Dave, what's your opinion on on this? Do you think it's out of time? Because I have watched this, but of all, I also hadn't watched Cats, and then I watched Cats, and I was like, "What in the living piss is this?" Yeah. So, you know, it's it's hard to believe which side, especially when it's down to musicals. Yeah, I think the Cats is a league of its own. Let's be let's be quite clear about that. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> if that would have been Alex, he would have been saying, "This is Cats 2.0." <laughs> but that said, I do think you know, Gav says Alex's argument doesn't have legs. Alex's argument has leg, it pirouettes, runs into a stack <laughs> and lands on point. Alex's argument most certainly Thanks, has legs. Alex has hit the nail on the head when he says one of the big problems with this is, is the gangs do not feel dangerous. This is a story about, of course, it's about young love. 
but it's at the heart of it there is this street gang element there is nothing threatening about any of these gangs whatsoever you know you you feel like you could take on at least three of them before <laughs> before you went that it's, it's uh you know the, you're losing that element of, of fear that you would get from a street gang this doesn't feel like a street gang film uh and it is over long alex alluded to that you know it goes on for a bit, getting close to two and a half hours yeah, but this, cut you know. out the first 10 minute of a chore and then the... <laughs> <laughs> I see you lose this point, yeah. say, man. No, you see, you see, <laughs> Nothing uh, can be cut. Yeah. I will not cut that out. That is the job of the editor. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're in there for a reason, and that's because it was meant as a cinematic release, and, mm-hmm. and over time, it's meant to be a theatre, and during a the theatre, you would have an intermission. It's it was... It was a Broadway musical as well, so they've tried to keep the Broadway musical feel, but... Gav said that it is a great adaptation of a great musical. I think it actually fails as an adaptation. And in fact, uh, the composer, Leonard Bernstein, did not much care for this. He, he thought that the, what they've done with his overture and with the music that he wrote for West Side Story, he said he wrote it for a 30-piece orchestra, I believe. And when they came to film it, the film score actually used close to 90. And he said all the subtleties of the music, all of the inflections and all the nuances that he had put in there were removed. He lost all of it when he watched the film uh, for the first time. He didn't much care for it. Stephen Sondheim, the lyricist as well, was not happy because a lot of his lyrics that he'd written for the, for the musical, uh, the stage adaptation, had all been changed. So as an adaptation of a, of a great stage musical, I actually think it's fallen very short. And they tried to bring it back because the producer, I forget his name now, I think uh, Walter Mersch, Walter Mersch hired uh, Jerome Robbins, who was the choreographer for the original Broadway production. But that in itself was a bit of a mistake because basically Jerome Robbins went three weeks over time, considerably over budget. He ended up getting sacked from the production. This is the choreographer of the original musical that they're trying to adapt. He got removed from the production because all the dancers got injured trying to keep up with these 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 new dance routines that he was trying to get them to perform and they had to bring in robert robert wise who was an actual film director who knew how to bring it back and get the film back on the budget and back on schedule uh it was it was beset with problems behind the scenes and having these two directors i think caused a lot of problems and that you know alex talks about the tonal difference and the jarring aspects of the film and how it doesn't quite flow in the way that a musical should and certainly not how a film should so I think there was a lot of problems going there. I don't think this is a very good adaptation at all. And yes, Gav is right. It did win 10 Oscars, but have a look at the nominations. I think that was quite a weak year for Oscars. And in spite of that, your leading stars, Tony and Maria, did not get any nominations for anything. Yeah. The leads are weak. And this is a love story. This is Romeo and Juliet. Uh, we're going to go more on the cast and characters later, I'm sure. But the fact that they were not given any nominations, let alone awards, I think speaks volumes. And yeah, although it is, it's the dialogue is mawkish. Alex is right. I concur with that. And I agree with Ozzy when he says the dancing is good. You know, they, they got a stage choreographer in, but this is a dance showcase. The music is not as good as it should be. Bernstein himself alluded to that. And I don't think the singing is as good. In a whole cast here, I would say you've only got two triple threats, and I'm being generous with one of those. I'd say Rita Moreno and arguably George Shakiris are the only ones that can act, sing, and dance. Everyone else falls foul somewhere else. You know, a lot of the cast here were dubbed because they couldn't sing their own parts. They were brought in as actors or they were brought in as dancers. The voices are not good. The singing is not so good. And some of the performances are not so good. Essentially, they went for dancers. And I think the acting suffers there. Hey, thanks, Dave. Some good points well made. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> you know, what I want to know is is the good guys and bad guys in this? Does the film kind of make you root for like one particular side in particular? Because obviously 
basing it on Romeo and Juliet. You kind of want the the good guys to love, if you like, and you want Mac to kind of prevail. Yes, I know. So to, uh, touching upon what Dave said about you know, in, in not being realistic gangs, it's a musical. You know, are you watching Oliver and saying that this is not a realistic portrayal of orphans or, you know, you mentioned cats before. I think at least three of those kids would have had typhoid by now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, this is a musical and we need to look at it as a musical context. We can't say that this is like a gritty realization of what 1950s America looked like. You know, this is an adaptation or a, a vision of what 1950s America looked like. We can't say that, like, oh, we will rock you or whatever. It's a gritty realization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. But the thing is, is that it's quite nuanced with its story in that you, you, you aren't really supposed to root for either gang, to be honest. I'd say the character that you root for, or you associate more with, or I, at least I feel I associate more with, is Doc. Is the only one who has some sort of levity. The only one who, at the end, is like, "Why are you fighting? Why you're gonna? If you keep on doing this, you're gonna tear each other apart." He's supposed to be like the moral compass in this film. So you've got the jets, you've got the sharks, you've got very charismatic but flawed leaders in both Bernardo and Riff, and you want to root for them at different times, but also you don't want to root for them as well because Riff is putting his friends in a really tricky situation by make, bringing him back into the Jets when he doesn't want to be. He's the one that's trying to push Bernardo and the Puerto Ricans out of the city. You know, you don't want to root for that. And then you've got Bernardo, somebody who's been very overprotective of his sister, saying, you can't see the man that you love because I don't like him. You know, and, and he is also saying an eye for an eye sort of thing. So the, you don't want to really root for either of them. So it's very nuanced in its portrayal of these two gangs. I, I, I'd just like to argue a few things that Dave said as well. I think that this is technically the greatest musical of all time, the greatest musical adaptation. I know that it had flaws and it had problems in development, but you can't argue with the with the end product. You know, oh, okay, yeah, Bernstein didn't like the 90-piece orchestra that was used, and he thought that it went away from his 30-piece. But it still ended up winning X amount of Grammys and Tonys and whatever. You know, this is a, a much-heralded soundtrack and it was very expertly done. You mentioned about Jerome Robbins being brought in. Yeah, he overworked the dancers, but you had some dance numbers that were fresh, that were new, that had never been done before. Rita Moreno said that dancers work in fours, sixes, and eights, but along came ben Leonard Bernstein with his like five, four time and six, eights and 25 sixes. And it was very difficult to dance to. But with the meticulous direction of Robbins and Wise and the hard work and enthusiasm of the cast, they smashed it and they ended up coming up with something really fresh, new, bold and brilliant. And I know that, yeah, okay, a number of the cast suffered for it. But once again, the final product was absolutely incredible. The dance choreography is incredible. This, this is a lost art form when it comes to film musicals these days. These long, wide angled shots of group dancers in complete harmony. It looks incredible. And it shows the tremendous effort and skill of the dancers. And the fight choreography, I know you were saying that it's not realistic, but this is as close to fighting as you can get without actual fighting. Obviously, they didn't want to just have, like, two sets of gangs in there punching each other. They're it's trying as close to fighting as you can get to fighting. He's literally <laughs> pirouetting on, onto, he's jumping onto each other and they're having, like, a little okay, wrestle. Okay, Alex, think, think about it more like a ballet, right? If you're watching Swan Lake or The Nutcracker, fights yeah. in there... They're not like kind of actual fights. They're fight dancing, essentially. And that's what they... So rather than having two people throwing punches at each other, they've tried to do something different. They've had like fast, harsh, close dance moves that are part poetic and part claustrophobic, which kind of try and recreate a fight. And I think it works very, very well. 
And just to come back on it, like, Gav, you know, some of the music, and there are some bangers in it, right? But Gav's talking about 25, 6 time and all of this. And at the end of the day, I know I'm not into it as much. I just don't give a shit. And, and like, the problem is I'm watching this musical <laughs> and I'm just bored. Like, that's the, I challenge anyone to watch West Side Story and not be occasionally bored. It's very ponderous at times, even during its, so even during like, you know, it's it's possibly most famous one, you know, I want to be in America, which is a great song. It's a really good song. You know, I'm not going to say that every part of West Side Story isn't good. There's some really, really interesting lines that's talking about America and race and stuff like that. But it's still ponderous and you're still bored when you're even watching that song because there's bits where they just start rolling around and sort of jumping and throwing hands left and right, which if you're into musicals, maybe I miss it. You know what I mean? And they're dressing and stuff like that. But it's just boring. I just didn't find it interesting. I think we should have lost that if it's an art form. Like it's a reason it's been lost because it's not interesting. The main thing as well that's not interesting about it, I would say, is the story. Not a lot really happens in this story for, for two hours and 50 minutes because it's spending so long sort of, you know, showing dresses off or doing a musical. It's that terrible thing, Joel. And I know maybe this is just us. But, you know, you're watching a scene and you're just like, finally, some dialogue is going in. And then they just go, what? And you're just like, oh, Christ, another like another musical number here where they're just going to like the plot isn't going to go any further again. Like, you know what I mean? I've just got to wait through another song before I find out the next thing that's happening. Like the, the story with Tony and Maria is the thread that hangs it all together. And it's incredibly weak and incredibly ill thought through. There are some good things, like I say, the stuff about race is interesting in it, the stuff about the police. There's even a, a song about, you know, Officer Krupke song. There's got an interesting look a little bit into, into you know, the backgrounds of these characters. And if it was more of that, then I'd be into it. But Tony and Maria are not well played. Like, I do not think Richard Boehmer, especially as Tony is, he's just a set of top teeth, basically. I don't think there's anything more to him than that, really. And the story is just, they fall in love. It's that sort of like Romeo and Juliet, instant love. And that's it. And you don't really, because it's so instant, it's desperately uninteresting because you don't know anything about them. You don't really know why they're attracted to each other. They're just in love and they're fine. And I'd say the, the, the moment that shows how sort of weak this is as a story element is when they've just had, you know, the, the bit just before the intermission where um, Bernardo's just killed Riff in this hilarious little spinny knife fight. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then you know, in an angry way, Tony then stabs Bernardo. Even though Tony's whole point, Tony's entire point to go to the fight was to stop a fight. He basically, these two people are just going to punch each other. Tony goes in and ends up getting everyone stabbed, basically. Like, he's very bad. What, what Tony sets out to do and what Tony does is diametrically opposite. Anyway, Tony stabs. <laughs> Tony stabs and makes the entire situation far worse than it needed to be goes around to uh, Maria's house, basically, and says, like, yeah, you know, she finds out, like, I, I stabbed your brother, right? And then Maria ends up just being like, oh, well, okay, I suppose he did kill Riff. And then and then they sleep together, do you know what I mean? And you're just like, what? Why would they, why would she do that? He just, an hour ago, he, her brother's blood is still on his, his hands, I would imagine. Like, this is completely insane, and it's not because of a good plot point, right? It's just because the story just needs to keep going. And so, you know, we're not really interested particularly because let's have them jump and pirouette and let's have this really shit musical number where they're in a garage calling each other daddy-o and be cool and stuff like this. Whereas actually what you needed to do was explore Tony and Maria's relationship because that's the thing that the whole film is hanging its hat on. So, 
even though there's still elements that are really good, these musical numbers and stuff like that, the, the, the things that bind them together are so weak. And Natalie Wood, I would say, is pretty good, but Richard Boehmer, just no, man. Like, he didn't know. He's just, he didn't do a good job here. Okay, so, Gav, I'll give you a metaphor here. So you, you, <laughs> you sent us a picture of your roast dinner the other day. So what it sounds like Alex is saying is you've got your roast dinner, but you've just got your veg on there. I've taken the roast potatoes away. Maybe Dave's got some of the other good stuff. And I've just given you like pissy water gravy and then I've served it up okay. to you. So that's basically kind of what Alex is saying. Like there's not enough that's, substance to it. No. That's exactly on point, Dave. Oh, Joel, that's, like, that's, that's, that's what I should have said. <laughs> I think what so Alex... would you still eat that roast dinner? Yeah, I, I would, I would, I would go to that pissy watery gravy down and I would be grateful for it. But that's not the issue here. That's not Alex's issue. It sounds like Alex's problem is the concept of roast dinners. He's like, why would you? Why would you roast potatoes? Why would you put gravy on them? I, just to yeah, make you know what, The only thing I resent here is is your accent and this weird voice you do. <laughs> <laughs> the analogy is fine. It's the it's the mockery of my voice that hurts. Like, you know, it's it's a musical. We can't we can't have the biggest criticism of this being that everybody sings every now and again or everybody does a little <laughs> dance that's what happens in a fucking musical <laughs> you can't just go to a gallery and be like well what the fuck's this painter done here? he's painted why could he just stand here and tell yeah, no, me what he wants to out. paint and, and I, 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 I it was excess rather than like yeah you know songs. like mary poppins you can watch the new one and they figured it out it's not. It's an interesting watch because. The Are you saying that Mary Poppins Returns is better than West Side Story? It's a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, man! Come on! Don't be silly. This is fucking fantastic. Like, I, I, the, I'm sorry. The music in this is absolutely fucking perfection. There aren't any wasted numbers. There aren't any bits where you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, another song here. Th this is the coming together of two musical and lyrical geniuses in Bernstein and Sondheim working at the top of their game. It's an absolute banger of a soundtrack with hit after hit. And it's not just a case of like, oh, they're singing about any old shit. They're progressing the story. <laughs> you know, it's not just a case of it's completely off context. Everything they sing is progressing the story. When they're talking about America, they're talking about why they want to live there. It's a conflict between Anita and Bernardo. When he's talking about Maria, he's, he's, when he's singing Maria, sorry, he's talking about why he's in love with Maria, why he's, why he's fallen so deeply in love with Maria. You know, every single song works and it's hit after hit, whether it's beautiful and moving duets, or whether it's like rousing group pieces like America they're all beautifully composed and written and evoke such strong emotions from the audience Alex also said as well about why it's unbelievable that they're so in love this is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet if you've got that criticism about West Side Story you've got the same criticism about Romeo and Juliet I, I do, I do. <laughs> right, okay. I do. <laughs> right. the thing it's is, boring is the... because they don't explore it it's just they're in love and that's it I, I'm sorry but like criticizing that for Shakespeare he, he worked in like he wasn't half and things it was a case of like bold. If he wanted to show love, it was balls in love. <laughs> it was the case. That's the best kind. <laughs> that would have made the film a lot better. To be and, and a way of, of showing that they've fallen in love so deeply is by having it happen so quickly. No, <laughs> no but by having it happen so quickly and to show that it's so strong that she is even willing to forgive Tony for killing her brother, that she wants to continue being with Tony, that, that shows how strong seconds. their love is. I know, I don't think my wife's love, if I murdered her brother, I don't think our relationship would be strong enough 
So what you not only me? to forgive me in 40 seconds, sure. but to actually sleep with me. <laughs> I don't, yeah, no, I, I think she might say maybe another night. I'll, you know, Tony, maybe, maybe, maybe not now, Tony. Maybe this is an inappropriate time to get your dick out, Tony, because <laughs> you've just murdered my brother. Well, so are you, what you're saying, would you rather West Side Story be told over another like three or four films spanning multiple decades where just, the complex just, relationships just, just, between Maria and Tony are two, two weeks later, dot, 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 or something. I think, we just, I think we just found the best title for an edited song out of West Side Story. <laughs> not now, Tony. <laughs> It's a little soon. <laughs> <laughs> He's just let me grieve. <laughs> uh, Certainly sounds like they've missed the yeah. So, Ozzy, Ozzy, what's your opinion on that? Do you think that he should have kept it in his pants? And... <laughs> no, because in it, well, does I mean, <laughs> stuff like that kind of take you out? You know, take you out the setting and take you out the the story. No, because it's it's very clear that it's you know it is a plot device, and Alex even admitted as such is that you've got to keep the story moving because it's it's not a traditional f- film, it's a musical, you know, and it is a it's an adaptation of of a musical of a stage play, and and you've got to bear that in mind when you're thinking about the sets and the dancing and the way things come out, and it's a spectacle, and I think that's what's really good about this is it is a spectacle, um, it's still pushing boundaries even when you look at it through twenty twenty one eyes, you know, it's still uh, quite impressive. The actual set—I don't know if it's the same set—but you can you can clearly see sort of um, people have referenced it. You know, say in like the Greatest Showman, there's like a rooftop scene where they're doing the big dance with all of the water tower stuff on the on the scene, and and it's so so referential in that scene that you can totally see why people have done this. Every bit about this is big, and I can we sort of joked about it early on about everything being you know wide shots. And part of that is to show off the the fantastic sets that have been made to allow these dancers to do stuff in, you know, in a single take. And and that's what's really impressive about it, that it is a spectacle. And, and, and for that, you've got to forgive a whole host of stuff you would expect from, say, a Marvel action film. And, and it's, it is a different age, but it's impressive. And, and like Gav said, the, the music is fantastic. Everything's memorable. And, and in spite of, you know, Dave saying that the subtleties have gone, I think to hell with the subtleties. This is a big overblown, you know, Hollywood production of of a, of a great musical, and and it comes across. You know, it's on the big screen. If I want subtleties, I'll watch it in the theater. I'll I'll, I'll go listen to the music with my headphones on. This is um, you want this to be big, brash, and in your face, and I think it really captures the uh, characters. So, fuck we're you, talking Dave, about man. the musical, not Tony's penis, still. <laughs> <laughs> He was oh, sorry, I, I didn't even I didn't even get onto the orchestration. Yeah, yeah, just, 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 you just answered my original question. <laughs> uh, okay, so so Dave, we'll move on mm. to maybe the, the characters in a bit more depth. Yeah. Um, you know, we've mentioned about the different cultures and you know races and things like that in this film. Obviously, it's an old film. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that portrayed here? Um, not well. Not well. Uh, the casting decisions. I think the nicest word you can use for it, looking back, is uh, casting decisions were questionable. You've got, obviously, you've got the uh, the white gang and you've got the Puerto Rican gang. The Puerto Rican gang is predominantly played by white actors. Uh, white actors in, in brown face, no less. Uh, the only Puerto Rican actor in the group is uh, Rita Moreno, who plays Anita. And even she was told to wear brown face to darken her skin tone for this. Bernardo, who is the leader of the gang, played by George Chakiris, he 
is not Latin. He is of Greek heritage. He's an American actor of Greek heritage. Maria, played by Natalie Wood, Bernardo's sister, is of Russian and Ukrainian heritage. You see where this is going. None of the key roles, apart from the exception of of Anita with Rita Moreno, none of the other key roles from the Latin gang, from the Puerto Rican gang, went to Latin actors. And that is a problem looking back. And I'm not necessarily going to take a pop at the producers of West Side Story or the cast and directors for that, because it's not just an issue here. This was instrumental of the time. This was how Hollywood was at the time. This is how the film industry was at the time. And it wasn't right. It wasn't great at all. Um, You know, we talk about some films not needing a remake. And obviously one of the reasons we're doing this is because it is being remade by Steven Spielberg and it's just been released. I thought it was randomly chosen. No, I think we fessed up on this one. (laughs) I think we were honest on this one. But yeah, the reason being that, you know, it is being remade. And you'd think that a film that won Best Picture at the Oscars would be off limits. You'd think, who is going to remake remake that in their right mind? This film is ripe for a remake for these reasons, because it is time that this film was made with an appropriate cast. Uh, So for that reason, I don't think that not only was a remake understandable, it was almost essential that they get it right this time and finally put the film out in the, in the way it should be. But that said, with the cast, okay, the casting decisions were questionable, uh, like I say, of the time. But that said, let's see how they actually did. Uh, I don't think the two leads particularly great. I don't think Natalie Wood or Richard Bamer hit a home run on this. And while it's not necessarily their fault, you know, the, although they are the central figures in all this, they are the love story, they're given nothing to back it up. And Alex has alluded to as such, you know, there's no development from these characters. We don't really get to know much about them and their motivations and why have they fallen in love? What is it about each other that that's find, they find so compelling? You know, we, we hear them planning a wedding. You know, we see them not dealing with the grief of Bernardo's death. We see all of these things going on, but we don't actually understand the characters. And these are your protagonists. These are the two characters that are in love. And maybe it's an old school thing. You know, maybe maybe I expect more from my characters these days and it just wasn't the way characters were written back then especially maybe not for stage i can accept that but looking back on it now these characters leave a lot to be desired put combine that with satisfactory performances at best from the two leads and it's not really all that compelling rita moreno i am not even going to try and take a pop at she is fantastic she is an absolute goddess and she is an absolute triple threat she can sing she can dance she can act she's wonderful russ tamblin as riff voice isn't so great He's a good dancer. He's an okay actor. I do think his death scene is almost comical. This is supposed to be one of the most <laughs> yeah. This is supposed to be one of the most jarring, horrendous moments of the film. You know, the sudden stabbing of Riff, kind of by accident by Bernard. I mean, he had a knife, but he didn't. I don't think he mean to go for a mortal wound. But the face, the face Russ Tamblin pulls, bless him, is is a look of. It, it looks more like he's grabbed his balls, basically. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't look like he's been he's sustained a stomach wound, if I'm honest. It is it is almost comical. Other than that, I think Russ Tamlin was a, was a fantastic dancer. You know, he was well cast if that was what they were going for. And I think what it was, they wanted dancers. I've said this before in my argument. They didn't want singers because they knew they could dub them. They didn't necessarily want actors because there's not really much of character to get your teeth into here, apart from, uh, I'd say, Anita and Bernardo. And they were the two that wound up getting the Oscar nominations. Rita Moreno absolutely deservedly did a fantastic performance here. George Shakira says, Bernardo, I, I, it did surprise me when I learned that he won an Oscar for this. He's okay. I wouldn't have thought it was accolade worthy. The rest of the cast are kind of just there. No one else really has enough screen time to make any real impact. And it, it like Alex says, it's all the mawkish dialogue. I think Mars, what could have otherwise been half decent performances, you know, the, uh, the, the very dated 
be called Adio as such and things like that. I think it masks what otherwise could have been fantastic. And yeah, with regret, casting decisions aside, it, it didn't really come together in the end. And I think they missed a few tricks here. Hey, thanks, Dave. So not the best report there, Gav. I, I presume you massively disagree. I mean, obviously, the casting choices and things like that of its time. If you want to say anything about that, then fine. But if not, we'll just draw a line onto that. And then, you know, Dave was saying they couldn't hire singers. Some of the acting wasn't that great. So they ended up, you know, dubbing some of the some of the songs in. So it sounds as though they've kind of tried to do both rather than concentrate on one particular aspect. And it's come across as kind of half-arsed in, in both, both aspects, maybe. So <clears throat> what do you say to that? I wouldn't say half-arsed in both aspects. So firstly, about the casting process. Yeah, I, I you know, I don't think there's any defense for it really i know that this was created in 1961 and production companies and studios didn't hire a lot of latino actors or uh, actors of, of, of any color to be honest and this was just common practice and um, putting brown makeup on white people i'm not defending it. it it happened and yeah it doesn't look great now and i think that's maybe one of the things that steven spielberg's remake does well in that, you know, it, it, it actually casts people of the ethnicity and the race that their, their, their character is. Uh, so, yeah, I, I can't, you can't really just, uh, defend that, but talking about the performances on whole, I think that I, I would disagree, to be honest. I, I wouldn't say that this is just about Maria and Tony as well. I think that I think the, the the better performances for me are Bernardo and Anita, and I think that showed because they both won Academy Awards for it. As Dave said, you can't really argue with Rita Moreno's performance. I also think George Carus is really good, to be honest. He plays bruising but sympathetic really, really well, and I think his singing, his dancing, his acting, you said arguably you'd say he was one of the triple threats of the film. I think without any uncertainty, he is one of the triple threats of the film. He's brilliant. And yeah, I don't think that uh, Russ Tamblin or Natalie Wood are as maybe as strong as they could have been, but I still think that they're very good. I still think that, you know, Russ, uh, sorry, uh, not Russ Tamblin, Richard Bamer, I do think that they do play these these characters very well. The fact that we're able to empathize and care about them, these star-crossed lovers, we, we, uh, from the very moment that we meet them, we really care about them. We want Tony to leave the Jets. We want them both to run away together. We're pulled along on this emotional roller coaster when Tony kills Bernardo and then he's, he's forgiven by Maria. And it's one of the of you know those cinematic moments where you know exactly what's going to happen. You know that it isn't going to end well. You know that Tony is going to die. I'm talking about Alex. Um, and that we're powerless to stop it, but we're still shocked and upset when it does happen. And I don't think that we would feel that emotional connection to these characters if they were as badly performed as Dave and Alex are saying that they were. I still think that they're really good performances, just maybe not as great as you would expect from a film that won 10 Academy Awards. I'd argue I'd say Russ Tamblin was very good as Riff. I, I do think that, yeah, his death scene wasn't that great, to be honest. But we're thinking about 1960s once again, and it's an adaptation of a musical from the stage to the screen. Everything is big, everything is bold. Everybody is told to turn everything up to 11. So the acting can be a bit exaggerated, or maybe even you might think over the top, but that's just, they're used to kind of 
doing a performance evoking emotions that can be seen from the nosebleeds of a theatre and that's just what Russ Tamblin was doing there I still think overall his performance was very very good once again a really layered and sympathetic villain very complex character that he performs very very well overall I think that this is a musical about two different gangs with many different characters oh yeah yeah it is a central love story between two characters it's about everything coming together and creating one amazing piece of cinema everything works well and if you wanted a, uh, if, you, if you wanted a really good example of the way riff should have played that death scene uh, <laughs> tuned into is the 2016 version of, of west side story where gav uh, actually performed that delightfully i, I realized yeah. one of my many dreams which was to uh, play a character who died on stage and i'd like to say i did it very well <laughs> the, the only thing there was i spoke about before about you know which side are you meant to root for? There was an obvious side I was rooting for in that case. <laughs> so, you know, was it the sharks, by any chance? It was. Yeah, I think I think that might be ruining the film a little bit. Get him, Bernardo! <laughs> Stab him again! <laughs> Make sure he's set on fire. Okay, so it's not an accident this time. I think I've got pretty much everything I need. Let's just go to some like quick closing points, and I can see a few people have got them. So, Alex, we'll start with you. Yeah, they, they're very simply, it's just too silly to take seriously and it wants to be taken seriously. And that's that's the problem with the entire film. Do you think that's a problem for Gav in his life as well? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wants to be taken seriously. I don't think I've, ever, I've never had that impression of Gav. <laughs> hey, Gav, have you got anything? I presume you have. I can yeah. go, Gav, if you want. Uh, Gav's but... probably got an essay here, so well, let, let's get comfy. <laughs> <laughs> no, all I'm saying is you can argue about a shit film with one Oscar like Suicide Squad for makeup, but 10 Oscars, including one for best film. You know, everything about this film is technically brilliant. The elaborate sets that Ozzy was talking about before, the replicate the streets of 1950s New York, the vibrant and contrasting costumes, the camera work with the long tracking and aerial shots, the cinematography, all of this helps create a real sense of time and place. And it, 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 I think all of that helps recreate the experience of actually going to the theatre to watch this, which so many musical adaptations fail to do so. I'll say that this is not only one of the greatest musicals of all time, but it's maybe the greatest musical of all time. And it's even, I think, Roger Ebert's favourite musical of all time, Dave. I, I lament the fact that Roger Ebert didn't get to watch Hamilton, but... Yeah, <laughs> or cats. I I read Roger Ebert's Bob review Holcomb. of this, and uh, no, 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 maybe, no. Maybe I've got that wrong. I'll take that back. <laughs> okay, so I think I've Ozzy. Just wanted to mention it, it deals with some major issues which were very difficult to have addressed at the time. So, race prejudice. It touches, you know, Alex touched on it there. That there's an entire song based around the poor social justice system. In in it was this is a this is a, a play and a film which I think really shook up sort of middle-class America, I would have thought, but, but with the way it was dealing with these issues. It's got misogyny, sort of rape culture, and, you know, and this, it's a full of messages which were very poignant then, and it was dealt with very cleverly by making it quite lighthearted with the dancing instead of it being so uh, so violent. It was it addressed violence in a, in a light-hearted manner, and, um, and, it, and it's a message that still rings true today. This is a, this is a timeless story, like Gav said, and... Um, and it's a timeless piece of, uh, of of cinematic history. 
I can I can see like 1961 middle class theatre goers like running out of the Bronx, just being like, they're not pirouetting, they're not pirouetting. <laughs> <laughs> they're more scarier. They're more yeah. scarier. <laughs> hey daddy oh, don't stop. Hey daddy oh, watch the cool, son. <laughs> you lied to me, Robbins. You lied to me. <laughs> and my closing sentence, I'll just say it's it's two of its time to still be appreciated today. Overlong, overcooked overrated thanks for faith at least you were short and concise i tried like you i'll say you no, I was like, uh, like tony as well yeah. <laughs> long and everywhere <laughs> and not wanted <laughs> and inappropriate <laughs> badly typed <laughs> okay so um I am judging, but I've also made the quiz because, uh, you know, the rest of you couldn't be asked. So <laughs> uh, it, it's a it's a half and half quiz, just general film knowledge. A bit is Christmas films and a bit is just general stuff. So the general stuff is just things I found interesting, to be honest, stuff I didn't know. So question one, the code in the Matrix comes from what type of food recipe? So it was one of their producers. It was oh, a food yeah. recipe that he scanned. Uh, sushi. Is sushi well done, Ozzy? Oh, sure, didn't it? Well done, Ozzy. Question two. So who drew the actual sketch of Rose in the Titanic? James Cameron. James Cameron. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you right <laughs> Let's now. Let's play the room. <laughs> yeah. He did draw the sketch. He probably got somebody else to draw the sketch, and it was just his hand. It was just <laughs> off of him. <laughs> <Just> shaking. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, question three. Uh, well, uh, Alex, I'm going to give you like first refusal for this one. Sean Connery wore a toupee in every James Bond movie. True or false? False. Dave. <laughs> true. Anyone it's, else? It's hundred percent true. Ozzy, what are you going with? True or false? I'm saying true as well. Yeah. It's true. Every single one he wore a toupee. I, I also knew it was true, but I'd rather I'd rather stay stand by Sean and lose the point. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so as of 2020, what was what film? Sorry, had the most expensive budget. I'll give you a clue. I don't think I'm pretty sure it wasn't a 2021 film. Avengers Endgame. What's, oh. No uh, budget is really money spent on it. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Dunkirk, was it was money spent. Yeah, no, it wasn't Dunkirk. No. Avatar. Oh, it's going to be a CGI. Think ships though. You're, you're Titanic. Having... No. Master and Commander. <laughs> Oh, oh, no, think of pirate-related ships. Pirates of the Caribbean 3? It's Pirates of the Caribbean right. on Stranger Tides. Cool. Oh, I don't know what number that is. Four or five, I don't know. Four, I think. Jesus. Um, Why would you throw money at that? I know. People it's are going to go anywhere. a banker for Disney, yeah, it? This will make the film better, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so true or false, Gone with the Wind's fire scene is old sets being burned. True. 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 Guys, that's a wrap. Just set that on fire. It is true. Like, to get rid of all the old stuff, they just burnt it and used it in the film. The old Um, way of doing things before they figured out the environment was getting controlled. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can sell that stuff or make a museum out of it like the Harry Potter one. (laughs) Okay, so, Gav, I'm going to give you first refusal on this because if you don't get it, then I, I honestly think you'll never live it down. Um, so we're on to the Christmas films now. So let it snow, famous with players at the end of which film? Die Hard. It is Die Hard, well done. 
Did you feel the pressure then? Or I did. I was like, it can't be die hard. <laughs> I know it's die hard, but this is a trick question. I'm going to okay. say 40 to 60% of every Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, so how many roles does Tom Hanks play in the Polar Express? We may have had this before, but who knows? Six. Three. I'm not seeing that. I'm going to say six. Sorry, did you just say six? Five. I did. <laughs> Yeah, uh, he said six because it is six. So unlucky, Aussie. <laughs> yeah, point for Brucey there. So, which is, we've definitely had this before, and I think it's at one of our, our like hard film quizzes that we go to. So, which Disney film do the uh, Gremlins go and see? Snow White. Oh, yeah, it is Snow White. But Dave, you get minus five points for not using the buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> in in the Czech Republic, which film? Literally translates to Santa as a pervert. Miracle on 34th Street. I was gonna say it's gonna be bad Santa, but I would love it to be something else. <laughs> I'd love it to be it like... is bad Santa, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, question I don't know what we're on now actually. What did Buddy and Jovi call their baby at the end of Elf? Bam. It's a is female. It... A girl. Oh, is it like Noel? No. It's not a Christmas-related name. It begins with S. Is it Sarah? Uh, no. S-U. Bam. Susan? Sorry, I should have asked. Very close, Ozzy. Uh, succubus. <laughs> yeah, succubus <laughs> is right, yeah. <laughs> I'll give it to you, Ozzy. It's Susie. Okay, so last but not least, which winter classic is 26 minutes long but is... The Snowman. Iconic? Mm. It is The Snowman. So, Alex, you got three points. Dave, you are on minus 12. Gav, <laughs> you got three. And Ozzy, you're on 27. So, Ozzy wins. Hey, well, hey. Done, Ozzy. well done. Thanks, guys. I do, I do like it that I get bonus points just for turning up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. I'm pretty much done, I think, in terms of deciding. Like, I was done before this podcast even started. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen this film for a long, long time, but obviously I'm well aware of the weight of the musical in terms of like how iconic it is and how, how beloved it is, especially to Gav. But just seeing Gav's face on this makes me want to put it on the shirt. <laughs> no, use that. Use that. Don't fight that, Joel. Don't fight it. <laughs> but there were lots of good points, to be honest, from the prosecution, and I didn't expect there, expect there to be as many. Um you know, especially with the contrast between, you know, the gang part and the, the fighting part, the the language used, the the whole kind of aesthetics of the, the whole musical, which kind of really brought it to light for me in terms of does it work as an actual film? Because, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily work as a film if it's a great musical. Ozzy's actually closing argument for once made sense. And it, it was actually quite well received by myself as well. And obviously, Gava can tell it is very passionate about the film in general. He's portrayed one of the characters, some say almost too well. Um, <laughs> but He's over... suffering from the liver problems now. <laughs> <laughs> Knife wounds will never heal, quite heal. Um, but, you know, overall, I'm really sorry, Gav, but I think I, I, I was potentially taken much more by the prosecution. I just feel like it, it's definitely of its time. I feel like 
you know, having not seen it for maybe 10, 15 years, if I watch it now, I may feel like it's too jarring and too too boring, you know, to to potentially watch at a at home setting. Um, you know, maybe that is the case. Maybe it's just a bad film and a good musical. It can be both. So before you go and lose your shit, it's going <laughs> on the shit list. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Is this because I put fucking Wolf of Wall Street on the shit list? Yes, I don't it? forgive and I don't forget. <laughs> Unbelievable. Right, genuine opinions. I'll go first. Go first. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've made the biggest mistake in your life. You know what? I, I think that the I think that the prosecution had some really good points, to be honest. I, I, I do think they're watching it back. If you're not a fan of musicals, this can be quite off-button because it's not like a case of... So, so say if you like The Greatest Showman and you, you watch that, it can be a bit more engaging because maybe it's less focus on the music. It's more named actors. It's filmed better. It's nicer. It's shinier. It uses CGI and green screen. The cuts are quicker. The music, the, the transfer, the sound editing, it's of a higher quality. So if you watch something like this, it does feel a little bit dated, but I do still think that it is timeless. And I do think that we can't kind of compare modern day musicals to West Side Story and expect it to be just as good technically, because at the day it was at its peak. And I still think that there's something absolutely perfect about this, but I can see some of the arguments from the prosecution, although I don't agree with them and I don't agree with your decision, I still respect you as a man and love you, God damn it. <laughs> Just a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Ozzy, what's your opinion? Uh, when I turned it on, I thought, my God, this is two and a half hours long. I'm not going to get through this. I almost didn't turn it back on after the intermission. But, you know, I was invested. I liked it as a story. You know, you know it's an obvious story. It is dated. And all of the issues that were raised by... <laughs> I'd love for that to be on the DVD box. It's called West Side Story. I used to take, you know, it's an obvious story. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a good film. Uh, it's a good take of a, of a play, but you've got to be up for it being the stage play. It's a, this was the first, I think, one of the first of its kind to do such a, such a, a good job of capturing a, a, a stage play. Uh, you know, a proper musical with the musical sets done as a film i think it did a really good job with the technology at the time and and you know some of you go oh well, that's in- more that that's interesting that they've chosen to do that rather than oh is that that's a bit farcical um but i, I thought it was good I, I think it should have gone on the hit list realistically but it, you know it's an easy one to feel that it's dated in time so I, i'm not not too upset that you put it on this list but i'm uh, i think we're wrong but yeah thank thanks Elsie. and alex I think it's on the right list, if I'm honest. I don't like West Side Story. I didn't think it's, I don't think it's very good. I, I mean, and obviously it's not going to be for me anyway because I'm not that into musicals. So there's a huge amount that I'm missing here, like, you know, the pageantry of it and all and like, you know, the, the orchestra and stuff like that. It, it just kind of goes past me. So it's not really made for me. But I think when I'm watching a musical, yeah, I don't really like the numbers that much, but the story is weak as well. So you just can't get past some pretty clumsy stuff. Like the fact that, Maria, like, Tony's like, don't worry, there's just going to be a fight between the two gangs and it's just, you know, I've, I've sorted out, it's going to be fine. Maria's like, go and stop the fight. 
And then Tony turns up and it's like, did you stop the fight? And Tony's got to be like, no, I didn't stop the fight, but I did kill your brother. (laughs) And it's just like, that is just weak story in between these, these numbers. So, you know, the, the, the musical isn't for me. So it was, I was never going to grab me on that, but I just thought the actual just basic plot narrative of it was a bit confused and, and shit as well. So I, I know it's I know it's technically a travesty, but I actually think I'm not not sad at all that it's on the shit list. <laughs> Thanks, Alex. And Dave, finally. Um, you know, I'd never seen West Side Story before this weekend. I mean, I'd seen adaptations of it. I'd just never seen this film before. So this is my first time ever watching it. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought this was I, I was just mesmerized. The choreography in this is absolutely top-notch. It's sensational. And not only that, the way it is shot, this is some of the best directing I think I've seen. It was ahead of its time. For 1961, this was almost pioneering. The lighting, the cinematography, the camera work, the direction, editing. It was was voted uh, by the Editors Guild of America, like one in the top 50 best edited films of all time. You know, the editing on this is really sublime. In terms of technical achievement, this is an absolute showcase. It's a masterclass. And in terms of the choreography, there's not many musicals out there that do it to this level. It really is old school Broadway at its best. And and they captured it perfectly on film. The performances, I didn't think were anywhere near as bad as I was suggesting. I thought even the weaker performers were okay. Uh, I actually thought George Shakiris was quite good. I didn't even try and pretend. I wasn't going to take a pop at Rita Moreno. I'd live for Rita Moreno. I actually thought, yeah, it's it's a very good film uh, and a pretty solid adaptation of of the Broadway musical as well. Do you think Joel will feel he's made a mistake? I don't think it's going to be for everybody. At the same time, Joel doesn't feel we... anything. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I genuinely, I did, I did feel some of this. I clicked with some of the characters. I really was invested in the story. I was mesmerized. Mm-hmm. I know it's a long film. I was genuinely mesmerized by it. I thought it was fantastic. But we are right when we say this has not aged well. Not only for the casting decisions, but also for the the dialogue and the scripting. There's a lot going on here, which I think modern audiences seeing it for the first time, they may be drawn out of it. And I think it is absolutely ripe for a remake. I think this was fantastic for its day. Uh, there are a lot of wrongs that needed to be righted, and that is why it needs a remake. And also, done right, the new generation can have their own adaptation of West Side Story. Done correctly, cast appropriately, and they will enjoy it, and it will be just as big a hit as the original was, I'm sure. I, I will say that I watched the remake after watching this. So I watched this two days ago, the remake yesterday. And I thought the remake was fucking fantastic. And I de- once again, I don't know if it's going to be for you, Alex or Joel, but if you enjoyed the original, Dave, I did. the issues that you raised about the original the casting and some of mm. the technical aspects, like I-, I think that this is as close to perfect as a musical uh, adaptation can be these days. I will definitely be checking it out then. And Rita Moreno's back in it. You know, and I get Rita best, Moreno is best back of in both it. worlds. And yeah, they, they've, they've put more emphasis on that character that she plays. It's brilliant. Anyway, right. Uh, higher or lower than our pre... Oh, I won't say previous film on trial because, I mean, fuck me. You know. <laughs> Let, let's just skip past this one because we're running a bit late anyway. It's obviously much higher. But, um, yeah, it's it's maybe not as high as, as, as we thought it might have been. 93% critical and 84% audience. I think it's one of those things where the scores have been slowly decreasing over the years. Uh, I think maybe some of the issues back in the day, like the casting process, have become more of an issue. The newer audiences 
Yeah, yeah, they've they've become more of an issue for new audiences. Why are there no Puerto Ricans in this film about Puerto Ricans? (laughs) (laughs) What I will say is, um, you you know, I know I'm not alone here, but when you've had like a stressful day at work or whatever, and, you know, you've got this podcast to look forward to, there's nothing better than having one of your favourite films just torn to shreds and then put on the shit list. (laughs) We've all been there. We have all been there. Um, Some of us more than others, Dave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, right, moving quickly on before we reopen up some old <laughs> We will say that uh, thank you very much for everyone's arguments and yeah, thank you very much for listening to the show. We really appreciate every single person that's taken the time out to listen to this. If you liked it, why not check out more content? Films on trial.co.uk. Check us out on every podcasting platform. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Films on Trial. It's all good. And our next film on trial will be Spider-Man No Way Home, the hotly anticipated new MCU slash Sony crossover Spider-Man film will be reviewed next week. Looking forward to that one, guys. So that is it. West Side Story is a shit. I say through gritted teeth there. (laughs) But we're going to be in your ears next week with Spider-Man No Way Home. Goodbye. I think we just found the best title for an edited song out of West Side Story. <laughs> Not now, Tony. <laughs> it's a little soon, Tony. <laughs> just let me grieve. <laughs>